What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler All-Decade Return Specialist, Josh Cribs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection Podcast, where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference Best. Alright everybody, welcome back to the CSC Podcast, all action, all the time. I'm your host, Alex the Captain. Joining me as always, it's AJ the Guru. What's going on everybody? AJ, welcome back. It is MAC Championship Weekend. And we've got a heavyweight title game between Toledo, sitting at 11-1, and Miami sitting at 10-2, and a combined 21-3 and record on the season. There's a lot we could expect, and there's a lot of unexpected right on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this one's interesting because we've we talked about it in the past that at least two teams haven't faced each other in a number of years, and here they are facing each other twice in the same year. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the second time that they've done that since, or in their in their history, the last time being the 2004 season when they split <laughs> the series. Um, yeah. Toledo wins in Ox or Toledo lost in Oxford 23 to 16. In October of 2004, turns it around and wins in the MAC championship 35 to 27 over that same Miami team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, there's a lot of storylines in this game on both sides of the ball. You know, Toledo is really, you look at the Toledo as a whole, they're one, maybe two plays away from being undefeated this year, uh, losing that tight one against Illinois. And then we have uh, Miami of Ohio, who's kind of battled, there's a lot of, not some, a lot of adversity this year. Starting with uh, Gabber going down early on, and Navion Smith taking the reins and, and leading them to Detroit. And you know, we were lucky enough to see him last year uh, against Cincinnati, and we know he can ball. And uh, he ended up playing a lot of last year and a lot of this year. So I think that's a great, uh, a great thing for Coach Martin having a quarterback who has time. Unlike last year, where we had a quarterback issue going into this game with injuries as well. Uh, now we have a, a game where both quarterbacks are set, and uh, it's go time. Well, and I think, you know, when you when you look at it a little bit closer, you know, Avion Smith and and we'll talk about this kind of a little bit more in our positional breakdowns. Uh, but Avion Smith, you know, last year he he was kind of just given the reins like, hey, here you go. And, and you're right. You know, he had his growing pains. And I think this year was a little bit different because he was at least familiar. He wasn't just thrust into the into the starting role. I mean, he was this year, but it wasn't without experience. You know, he started what, eight games last year, something like that. And and I think now we, we see a much more mature Avion Smith. But, I mean, let's just kind of get into it. You know, we'll start with our position groups. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Um, and I've got my notes here. Uh, Avion Smith, you know, I, I do think he's a fantastic substitute. Um, you know, like I said, has starting experience from a year ago. Um, and, and really, you know, since taking over for Brett Gabbard, they went 4-0. Not something people expected. Um, however, when you look at the numbers, when you when you really zoom in on it a little bit, it's very clear Miami doesn't want to make him pass more than they need to. He's only mm-hmm. throwing around 52% completion percentage. Um, and since taking over as the starting quarterback, he has pass attempts in, in, in the following order. 11 pass attempts, 17, 16, and 24. He's only topped 150 yards in a game once. And that was the Ball State game last week where he went 14 of 24, 170 yards, one score, and two interceptions. 
I like Daquan Finn in this matchup a lot better. One, you know, he's got the experience. He's been here. He brings a physical, you know, presence to to his position. He's he's very fluid, but he also he just he has the experience. You know, this year he has 21 touchdowns, nearly 2400 passing yards. He's fantastic at extending plays. Um for me, I think the experience alone gives Daquan Finn the edge and I and I got to go Toledo in this one because even if even if Daquan Finn goes down, you've got a healthy Tucker Gleason who looked really good last year as well. Yeah, again, Tucker Gleason's a guy who's played. And you know, he's heck, did he played all in that championship game last year. Uh he, he started, right? I don't uh, I don't think he played in the championship. He played the week before in the Western yeah, Michigan before. game. That's what it was. Um and he played like I want to say he started like four or five games last year including yeah. the Bowling Green game in which he had four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like Toledo's edge in the, in the, in the QB room for this matchup. Yeah, I think so too. I think kind of all around you. I mean, obviously the record shows that Toledo's eight nil in the conference, 11 and one overall Miami Redhawks are 10 and two, seven and one in the conference, you know, for as close as those, those numbers are, you kind of look at the overall and Daquan Finn has the, the, and not just Taquan, but I think the uh, Toledo offense has just a better overall. I think you kind of look at, you know, Penny Boone and Stewart, Jacques Stewart, uh, Finn. O- offensively, I think just more well-rounded on that side of the ball than, uh, than Miami of Ohio is. Kind of diving into that Penny Boone uh, mention, I, you know, I've in, in doing my, my pre-game rankings, um, I gave the entire edge uh, offensively to Toledo, the QBs, the running backs. Um, the wide receiver and the tight ends, you know, talk about Penning Boone, you know, now the newly crowned Mac offensive player of the year. Um, you know, they say it all the time, the biggest or the the best thing you can do is to be available. Right. And he has mm-hmm. been available. He has not gotten best hurt. ability is your availability. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the quote. He is, uh, he has been absolutely excellent. He, he combined with Jacques Stewart and Willie Shaw, They've combined for almost 2,000 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns on the year. Now, mm-hmm. now, granted, you know, Penny Boone does get the the lion's share of that. Um, but Stewart and Shaw, they're both excellent as change of pace backs, kind of keep the defense off balance. Penny Boone's the bruiser. Stewart and Shaw, they got a little bit more finesse, a little bit more side-to-side to them. M- Miami brings two running backs who have had to pick up the bulk of the work since the injury to Brett Gabbert. Um, purely to help take that pressure off Avion Smith. Again, not that Avion Smith is a bad quarterback, but when you look at Rashad Amos and Kenny Tracy, both of them are averaging more than five yards a carry this year. Mm-hmm. And they're both pretty good as receivers as well. Um, they have combined over 1,200 yards and 12 scores on the ground. Now, something of note, since Brett Gabbert went down, Avion Smith has accounted for six touchdowns in the last four weeks. So I think that's something that's worth looking at. You see how much more they're relying on on Rashad Amos versus um, when Brett Gabbert was starting at quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that they're really going to have to focus on here too going into this game because Toledo's defense is no joke either. You know, the, right. everybody on that side of the ball has stepped up this year. Um, you know, you start about Amos, you know, 100, 820 yards on the ground, and then. Uh, Kenny uh, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, Tracy with only 250. So there is quite a disparity there. But again, they're both averaging over five yards of carry, and they are one block away from breaking it. You know, 
Yeah. Amos has had a six, long as 66 this year, and Tracy's had a long as 42. Mm-hmm. So they're both capable of breaking it. Uh, just the offensive line, they can create a, a, create a lane of either of those running backs. And Avion Smith, too, he can run the ball as well. You know, he's, sure. he's no slouch uh, on that side of the ball either. Uh, but I think they're going to be really cautious of how they use him because this isn't going to be the last game of the year for these guys. Right. Absolutely. And I think it, I think it's going to be important to see just how much they rely on them and how efficient they can be Um, Mm -hmm. kind of moving into the wide receivers and tight ends. There are only three players currently who rank in the top 10 in the Mac as a receiver in both yards per game and touchdowns. One of them could very well be limited or not even play this week. Uh, Gage Larvidane from Miami uh, has six touchdowns and leads in yards per game. He's only played eight games this year is listed currently on the on the injury report as questionable. Um, that's mm-hmm. something to kind of monitor over the next couple of days. But then you've got Jerron Newton and Junior Vandeross, who both rank in the top 10. Um, they've combined for 14 touchdowns on the year. Uh, now, Gage, when you look at this Miami offense, you talk about Rashad Amos and Kenny Tracy. Um, Gage is kind of their big man wide receiver. He's kind of the one who just kind of really just kind of leads everything. You know, like I said, he's got 625 yards on the year. But then they've got a whole slew of other receivers who are really good. Javon Tracy, Joe Wilkins, and Cade McDonald, all who have more than 20 catches on the year, all who have over 300 yards on the year, all who have at least one touchdown. When you look at Javon Tracy, that's actually uh, Kenny Tracy's brother. Fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of cool for them to get to play football together. But when you look at what they what they all bring to the table, I think it's very important that if Miami throws, you've got to spread it out. You can't just pepper gauge the whole time. You you have to really understand you have other players on the field. Now, again, Newton and Vandeross, they do average less yards per game um, than Gage does, but Newton has nine scores. Vandeross has four. And the rest of the Miami receiving core only has six touchdowns. The primary receiving core only has six mm-hmm. receiving touchdowns on the year after gauge so they're like like you mentioned with the running backs there's a huge drop off same thing with this receiving core and that's not a bad thing that just shows you how much they trust what gauge has done um how much he really brings to the table toledo they have a much deeper room of tight end and wide receivers with four players who have at least two touchdowns aside from newton and vandeross and that's both of their tight ends as well both their tight ends have multiple receiving touchdowns toledo i like their depth purely because they just have so many guys they can just chuck the ball up to and they they know the guy's going to come down with it yeah absolutely you know you talked about tight ends there for a second i'm gonna go back to miami of ohio if uh larvin dang does not play you know you mm-hmm. look at the three tight ends here jack old iron luke bolton and nate mercich combined they only have six receptions mm-hmm. and, and one touchdown one touchdown yeah so if gage isn't playing will they rely on tight end play at all or will they just use their tight end strictly in the run blocking game? I imagine it'll probably be run blocking game. If you when, and, when you look at the stats, like you mentioned, you know they have what six receptions overall on the year. Yeah, like they have a combined less than they have a combined fifty three receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't see them as a team who's going to all of a sudden turn to their their tight ends. But but who knows? You know, depends on what Chuck Martin has kind of cooked up. Um, you mentioned the Toledo defense and how stacked they are. I do not disagree. However, I do think while Toledo may have the edge in the cornerbacks, safeties, and defensive backs, Miami has the massive edge on the linebacker side. 
And here's what it, here's that was, what I was looking that at. That was the first thing that was going to bring up here. Yep. The matchup between Dallas Gant and Matt Salapek is going to be very, very intriguing. I really like Miami's linebackers. Matt Salapek and Ty Wise are both top five in the MAC in total in total tackles. They have a combined 233 tackles on the year. They also have a combined 15 and a half tackles for loss. Yes, you mentioned Dallas Gant, who by his own right is a superstar, right? Um mm-hmm. You know, he's an elite linebacker with his with his 97 tackles. However, Daniel Bolden, his 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 other primary linebacker, sits far lower in the max standing. He sits at 13th um, with just five tackles for loss. Um, you when you look at that, I, I think it's a testament to what Matt Salapek and Ty Wise have done for Miami and what they really bring to the table because it shows you just how good they are. Mm-hmm. because they've needed to be. I mean, there's a reason Miami only allows 16 points a game. You, you got to credit the linebackers for this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of look yeah, deeper into it. You know, Miami of Ohio is rocking with 33 sacks, Toledo with 34. So across the board, they're fairly even when getting pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Toledo just has more guys doing it, yeah. Yeah, and then you look at the Toledo list of guys who've had tackles this year, it's a mile and a half long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, pretty sure Jason Candle has uh, has his coaches going out there making tackles. Uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> there could be some photo people and some social media people on here that we don't even know about. Right. Uh, a shout out to my guy, Darius Alexander, Fort Wayne. I called some of his games in high school way back in the day. Yep. Fort Wayne, Wayne High School. Um, but yeah, I think till I think when it comes up to statistically and how, you know, the matchup, I should say, let's use that word, the matchup. I think the defenses are the most intriguing of this entire game. Because mm-hmm. we gotta know what Toledo's gonna bring offensively. You know, they're gonna spread the ball. They have receivers and running backs who can catch the ball, running backs who can run. Yeah. That's not gonna be the issue. I think the matchup really comes down to on the defensive side of the ball, who gets pressure on the quarterbacks, who's gonna make who's gonna force the quarterback to make the most mistakes. You know, is Miami is Salapat gonna get after Dequan uh, Finn and force him to throw, you know, throw it into the ground or sack fumbles or interceptions, mm-hmm. or same thing the other way. Is Dallas Gant gonna get after Avion Smith and force him to make bad decisions because it's going to be very interesting. You know, Dallas Gantling has one uh, sack on the year with 45 solo tackles and 54 or 51 assisted for a total of 96. There's going to be some pressure from all angles on both sides. So I think for me, that's the most intriguing thing about this game. I think that's a very intriguing thing too. For me, it's about the backfield on the defensive side. That's going to be the big one. You know, I think, you know, Miami for me gets the slight edge on the on the linebackers, but Toledo, when you really look at what they bring up with the corners, safeties, and the defensive backs, you know you you really you're really hard pressed to tell me that the team with a reigning All American isn't going to be the better pass defense team, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know when when you look at when you look at Quinion Mitchell's numbers, they are overall lower than last season. And he only has 17 passes defended on the year. That's still the most in the MAC. There's only one interception, but there are 16 passes broken up. And then when you pair him with Chris McDonald, RJ Delancey, and Max and Hook, there are 40, 34 pass breakups, seven interceptions, and a couple touchdowns. Now, that, that's a, I mean that's a, that's a good pass defense. I mean they rank number one in the conference, um, and, and, and for good reason. Right. You know, you look at what Quinion does. There, there's a reason his numbers are lower. People are afraid to throw that way. Quarterbacks know that the chances of a completion are very low. And the chances of an interception are pretty high. 
So you don't mm-hmm. you don't try to pick on Quinion Mitchell, or you do and you get burned, and then you turn away from him the rest of the game. Right. When you look at Miami, you know they've got yes, Son McKee. They've got Rayon Strade. They're both top five with Mitchell and McDonald. But then after that, nobody on their unit ranks higher than 27th in the Mid-American mm-hmm. Conference in terms of pass defense, and that's highlighted by Michael Dowell. Yeah. So I think Toledo's just way deeper on starters in terms I think of so. pass like defense. T- Toledo, too, here, scoring defense, the rank 28th in uh, FBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, passing defense, they're ranked 23rd. Mm-hmm. So they're going to you – know, they're only averaging – let's see here. They've only given up 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on the year. Averaging about 108, giving up 189 yards or so per game mm-hmm. uh, in the passing game. So I think it's going to be really interesting because I think this might be come down to a game where Miami of Ohio may have to throw the ball. You know, it's one of those things. Obviously, Rashad Amos, he's going to get his touches, but they're going to have to throw the ball and put it in the air. Exactly. No, I, I think you're exactly right on that. It's going to be really interesting to see what they what they end up doing. Moving into the last kind of the the highlight group, you know, I think I feel like. And I know people are going to say, ah, this is lazy, but I I really, truly feel like the offensive and defensive lines are both good enough that it's kind of a wash. You know, I watched them both play each other back when Miami and Toledo played. Both sides kind of got a little bit of pressure on each other, but it never felt like one gave into the other. So, yes, I understand it's going to feel a little lazy. I'm not going to cover two, two groups that I feel are competitive washes. To me, I wanted to highlight the uh, kind of the ones that I think had the competitive edge. And in this last group here for the special teams, Graham Nicholson, 100% a Lou Groza award finalist for a reason. He was perfect on every field goal this year. Um, And he has one mixed extra point that was purely due to it being blocked, not because he missed it. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, Luke Pollock, he has looked excellent this year. He's 10 of 11 on field goals, but I really think the edge belongs to Graham. Graham has a couple 50-yard field goals this year, 50-plus-yard field goals this year. But then when you dial it down even more into kick returns, uh, kick blocks, everything a little bit more, Miami has four blocked kicks and punts on the season, including game-winning field goals for Cincinnati and Ball State this year. Two big moments for, for them. You know, Caden Woolard sits tied at first in the MAC with two blocks, while Toledo has two blocks on the year total from Quinion Mitchell and Eric Holly. The punt return team, I think Toledo, you know, they have way more returners. They just rotate guys in, but Miami knows they can trust the receiver, Cade McDonald. He has over 200 return yards with an average of 12.5 yards per return. Um, and then on the kick return team, Toledo, they, they turn to Jacques Stewart. Um, and he sl- slots in at third in the Mac for kick returns on all on all ten games, and then a kickoff for a touchdown. But I really think the edge goes to Miami purely because defensively, when it comes to preventing points from happening, Miami does it so well. You've got guys who have had multiple blocks on the year versus Toledo, who has two guys with one block. I think you got to give the edge to to Miami. They came up big in big moments. To me, it just seems like an obvious choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go back a couple of games for Miami of Ohio. They beat Ohio 30-16, Akron 19-0, Buffalo 23-10, and squeaked out a win against Ball State 17-15. So they're not giving up a lot of points. Sure. Yeah, you kind of look across the board here. I mean, they haven't really given up more than – I mean, most was 38 against uh, Miami. They averaged 20.6 points on the year that yeah. they surrender on defense. 
which is not a bad number to be at. No. Second in the MAC, only behind Toledo, who's giving up 16.4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good company right there. I think so too. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And you know, one of the things too, I kind of want to move on to is just the coaching matchup. I think Coach Candle and and Coach Martin, you know, got two guys that we've talked to over the years, two guys who have been extremely successful in their programs, two guys who are kind of like the poster child, I think, for the Mid-American Conference. Uh, I just think that's a storyline in itself. Sure. I think, I think, you know, this is Chuck Martin's 10th year at Miami. Jason Candle, he's been there since 2015, the end of 2015. Um, the Toledo Blade uh, posted an article today about how Candle's actually, from assistant to head coach, has been at Toledo since 2009. Mm-hmm. Um Back with, um, oh man, I, uh, Tim Beckman, Tim Beckman was the head coach at at Toledo. So he, he's been around for a while and, and, you know, he's really, he's really planted his roots here for the last 15 years and Chuck Martin, you know, excellent job. And he's, he's had quite the career all over college football. And I think these are two coaches who understand the importance of, of this game, the the magnitude of what they're competing for. I don't want to say other coaches don't, but these coaches have been around enough. They have both coached in this game. This is, you know, Chuck Martin's um um what second time in this game? Last time was 2019. I don't don't hold me to that entirely. I believe so, yeah. But I yeah, I, be, I believe that's correct. Um and and then you look at you know, Jason Candle, this is his third Mac championship appearance. And mm-hmm. he he is very much he understands what's on the line. And I think Chuck Martin does too. So I, I'm really excited to see what both of these coaches do and what they kind of bring to the table. Which brings me up to my next one. Um what are your keys to victory? I know we kind of talked you were gonna take two or three keys to victory for Toledo. I've got my three for Miami. Uh, go ahead and uh, talk about Toledo's keys to victory. Yeah, I think for me, for Toledo, the biggest one is just win the turnover battle. I don't think, you know, you don't want to be in a hole early. And I think we've seen that in the past with, uh, you know, previous games. We did the Kent State, or SCB Kent State, uh, uh, Northern Illinois game a couple of years ago. And there was, mm-hmm. you know, Kent got into a hole early. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's one of the things for Toledo is just protect the ball. You know, Daquan Finn on the year only has eight interceptions. He's been sacked nine times. But I think if the offensive line just protects him, lets him get the ball, you know, let him throw the ball down the field to, to neither Newton or Vanderhorst or Anthony Torres, who's come on strong here as of late, the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you allow Finn to just distribute to his playmakers, I think that's the biggest thing. And along, I think, too, obviously, Toledo's trying to repeat as Mac champions for the first time since 70 and 71. Um, I think just play the game you've played all year. You were mm-hmm. said, two, maybe three plays away from being undefeated and you know, beating Illinois at Illinois, a yeah. game that you were at. So yeah. it's not like you've you know, made too many mistakes on the year. Just con- continue to do what you've done all year long. And I think Toledo's fine. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point about Toledo just needs to play their game, play what they've been doing all year. Mm-hmm. You know, what they've done all year has clearly worked. They're sitting at 11 and 1. Um, you almost knocked off a Big Ten school uh, earlier in the season playing Toledo football. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you make a really good point on that. Um, for me, I have three really kind of just looking at what Miami's done this year, three kind of keys for Miami to win this game. Uh, first one, long sustainable drives, 
Currently, Miami, they sit at, I want to say, eighth in the MAC in terms of time of possession. And Toledo is dead last. So Toledo sucks at time of possession. Um, Miami's not much better. But if Miami can extend that a little bit and, you know, if they can stay on the field as long as possible in offense, yes, Toledo has the ability to score quickly. They average 6.6 yards per play on the year. But you get Toledo out of rhythm and keep them off the field. You keep them cold on the sideline. That's huge for Miami because Toledo, they're a Mm -hmm. team who likes to start a little bit slow. We've seen that time and time again. You get you get off to a, a hot start and you keep Toledo's offense off the field. Good defensive stops keeps a, a cold Toledo offense off the field, slow methodical drives that can turn the tide in their favor. Um, my second point, don't play too conservative. And I know that's very contrary to what I just said, right? You, you're like, wait a minute, Alex, you just said, you know, slow, smart drives. Yes. But I still think if you, if you go out and you, and you try to, you know, just run it three times in a row. Yes, you may pick up a few first downs, but you know, if you become predictable, it's game over. You know, mm-hmm. Miami, they're going to need to rely on the route the ground game. Not that Avion can't pass it, but it's clear what they're what they're looking to do. But I think for them, you got to throw in a few wrinkles, a lateral back pass, you know. So, you know, the running back runs up, tosses it back to the quarterback, finds the man deep. You got to throw in those kind of wrinkles, a few end arounds, maybe even a special teams fake on like a fourth and two. Something to catch Toledo off balance. We literally just saw Central Michigan do that last week against Toledo. It was a it was an obvious punt situation. Central Michigan took off and they got a first first and goal pretty much. Um get Toledo off the off their heels. Don't get comfortable playing to not lose. You gotta play to win. Um if you trust uh Rashad Amos and Tracy in the backfield against the sixth best rush defense in the conference, but you can't solely rely on them. You got to do other things to, to turn the tide. And then my last one, halftime adjustments. Toledo and Miami played earlier this year in Oxford. Chuck Martin made some phenomenal adjustments at the half. Toledo was up 21 to three Chuck Martin and you know, his team shut Toledo out in the second half, had a couple touchdowns, had a couple opportunities to win that game late. Um, and if and I really think if Chuck Martin can make those adjustments earlier, even if you're in a hole, if you make those adjustments and you start figuring it out earlier, there's a good chance Toledo loses his game, even against the inexperience of Avion Smith. Yeah, I think Avion Smith the moment's not too big for him, I don't think. You know, he's played this game already. They've you know, they have a scouting report already. They've played against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Miami of Ohio made a comeback out of that in that game. Yep. Blaine Gabbert went down until uh, Miami of Ohio made a comeback and it ended up being what 20 to 17 was the final or something like that. 23, 17, 20, 21, 17. Yeah. 21, 17. Yeah. So they have the scouting report. They know what to do. Um, I can't imagine the Toledo's game is going to be much different than what it was then. Uh, maybe a few tweaks in maybe a couple trick plays. Who knows? But again, I think everything's going to be pretty straight across the board for mm-hmm. both teams. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage for Avion Smith in this one in particular, because he came in, Gabbard got hurt, what, the second quarter? Right before halftime, right? Third third quarter. Third, or the third quarter, that's right. Towards the end of the third. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, he played a little bit in that game, but, you know, again, he has the film. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's not going to be much different for him this time around. No, I, I agree. I think it'll be it'll be interesting uh, with, with these adjustments and what they end up doing. Um, talk about, 
let's just kind of jump into it a little bit. Uh, some of the game changers, um, any game changers that stick out to you? I've got one for both, both teams here, of course, but for me, I'll just start. I've got Larry Stevens. Um, Mm -hmm. he's like the fourth receiver in this offense. Uh, he has 22 catches, 272 yards and two touchdowns. And he's made a lot of big impact plays for Toledo, um, with some downfield blocking, some clutch, clutch catches when they needed it. Um, like I said, about the fourth wide receiver on this team, but he's always been able to do good stuff to help them out. He's been able to be in position to help out Toledo keep moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, my game changer starts on defense. I think both of mine start on defense, honestly. And I'm going to go with Matt Salopek. He's the leader of that defense, as we talked a little bit about earlier. 75 or 65 solo tackles, 60 assisted for a total of 125 with three sacks, uh, one interceptions, two pass deflections. I think he's going to be the key for Miami Ohio State in this game because we know Toledo's going to move the ball. It's just going to be a matter of how he handles it. And, and he's just, you know, consider the, the green dot. Obviously, you don't wear green dots, but he is the green dot of the defense. Sure, sure. Um, so I think for him to you know, communicate uh, with the 10 other guys on the defensive side of the ball is going to be massive. I think it's going to be bigger than what most people think when it comes to this game. I really like the going the defense uh, for Miami. Um, but for me, I, I went kind of with the unheralded game changer. Um, Jacquez Warren, uh, he has he 38. He has 38 tackles, four mm-hmm. passes, and four passes defended, but all of them have been broken up. He doesn't play a big role, but he plays enough of a role that teams still need to be aware of where he's at because this is a guy who can come in and he can make some plays when he needs to. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. he's an underrated player. When you've got a defense full of Ty Wise, when you've got, you know, Matt Salapek, when you've got, you know, all these other great guys on this Miami defense, he's a, he's a guy who doesn't get enough attention, and I think, He's a guy to kind of easily overlook on a scouting report. Absolutely. And you, he was going to be my next uh, game changer, but you know, I'll, I'll move down the list a little bit here to go to the defensive line and give some love to the big boys up front to Caden Wollard. You know, he has nine and a half sacks on the year, mm-hmm. 17 solo tackles, 21 assisted for 38 total. He has 58 sack yards on the season mm-hmm. with one pass deflection and uh, two forced fumbles. You know, the front four of the, of the defensive line, who kind of get buried and lost in the mix. You, know, you have a guy with nine and a half sacks on the year. He's going to grab the attention of the, the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator. But I think if Caden Woolard, if he can put pressure, you know, not just on the quarterback, but in the A and B gaps as well, when it comes to Stewart and Boone running, uh, he could be a huge impact as well. Sure. Um, let's try to dive into a little bit of this history. I'll just kind of give you my his, my historical notes for this game. Um, and for these two teams, Toledo has played in the MAC championship game seven times. They're currently four and three. Miami at five times at three and two. This is only the second time they played each other in the MAC title game since 1997. Toledo won again in 2004, 35 to 27 after Miami beat them that same year in Oxford, 23 to 16. Miami holds a 28 to 23 to one overall record against the Rockets. Miami actually is a winning record against every MAC program. Toledo is a winning record against every MAC program, except for the aforementioned Miami. Um, they did play each other in October um, in Oxford, where Toledo won 21 to 17. I'm really, really excited that this is now the second time that these two teams will play each other in a season after not playing each other, dating back to 2011. Toledo's played Ohio State more in that time. They've played Miami, Florida more in that time. They've even played BYU more in that time they've also played Mm -hmm. missouri more in that time so it's just it's it's really interesting you know how how that conference scheduling worked a drought of 12 years is ended 
and now they play each other twice in the same year. We'll do we'll do Toledo's New Year's Six hopes, and then we'll do our quick game predictions. Um, Let's do it. Toledo's New Year's Six hopes. I think it's pretty simple. You cheer for Liberty to lose on Friday. Uh, you you see Liberty sit there with one loss. They're no longer a conference champion, so that eliminates them from the equation. Um, Toledo has, if you're Toledo, you've got to win this game. Toledo has to absolutely decimate Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of course, you want uh, SMU to win, and I think you want SMU to win. You don't want them to dominate Tulane. You want them to win by three or less. I think that's the sweet spot because then it's a then it's a close game that either says either SMU is ranked too low or Tulane's ranked too high. Of note, SMU doesn't have their starting quarterback, so if they win that game close, it's going to be because of their defense. I think they have a top 13 defense in the country. Um, so SMU looks really, really good. So you pray for SMU to win that game close. Um, then that's a two-loss SMU uh, and a two-loss Tulane. Tulane doesn't have a conference championship. Tulane's likely out. But Toledo mm-hmm. has to win this game. And I was looking at some historical games where where teams have jumped in rankings because of dominant performances. And I came back to you, and you're going to love this one. 2014, Ohio State over Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Ohio State obliterated Wisconsin in the Big Ten yep. Championship to make the playoffs. 59 I, nothing. I was there. And I think Toledo needs to do something similar in order to have an opportunity to go and be the New Year's Six representative for the Group of Five this year. It's likely not enough. It's likely going to be the quick lane bowl or the cure bowl for Toledo if they win. But I think those are the three keys. If, if you're Toledo, those are the things you are hoping and praying for. Yeah, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I was looking at that SMU Tulane game as well as kind of my de facto uh, of what where uh, Toledo ends up. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a very good game. You have a 10-2 versus a limited 2, or 11-1, excuse me. I think that's going to be a major, major one. But yeah, like I said, you have Liberty sitting there at 12-0. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you got to hope for a Liberty stuff. loss. Conference championship week. It's usually some type of chaos at some point, uh, but we're we're excited to see it. All right, AJ, give me your MAC championship prediction. Toledo is the favorite by seven and a half. So give me who's winning and your score prediction. I think Toledo ends up winning it, but I think it's going to be closer than what people think. So okay. I'm going uh, Toledo twenty four seventeen. Toledo twenty four seventeen. So okay. Okay, so uh, so Miami would cover the spread in that one. I like it. Um, I'm going to also go Toledo. I know I've said it before. It's so hard to beat a team twice in the same year. Um, but I think Toledo's got the edge in most aspects, and now they've got a massive edge in the quarterback um, department. I like the Rockets in this one. I think this one's going to be a higher-scoring affair than their last matchup, and I think this one's going to be a... Let's go 31 to 24. So Miami still covers the spread, but I'm going to say 30, 31, 24 in favor of the Rockets at Ford Field. Mm-hmm. Book it. That is my prediction. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the Mac Championship preview. If you have any questions, please feel free to tweet at us, you know, inbox us, whatever. Uh, we'd uh, We'd love to get your feedback and love to kind of defend our picks and what we said here. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'll be up at Ford field on Saturday and it should be a great game. I'll be up there early. Um, just trying to meet with fans from both sides, trying to meet with people, um, hang out, you know, kind of enjoy the day. 
And yeah, really looking forward to this championship game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Two great Titans in the Mid-American Conference going head to head. Going to be a great time. Um, AJ, any other thoughts before we sign off on championship weekend? Hard to believe championship weekend's here already. It doesn't seem like that was you know that long ago we were doing media day stuff. So uh, we're here. December first is right around the corner, which means uh, you know it's championship weekend and bowl season shortly after that. So a lot of things will get determined and, and sorted out here after this weekend. Not only the champion of the game or champion of the conference, rather, but um, you know, where where we're going, where teams are going bowling this year. We'll we'll know that on Sunday. Yep, so, selection uh, Sunday. Having, selection Sunday. We're gonna have a jam packed couple of days here coming up. Uh, I know next week's game or next week's show will be a lot of fun, kind of breaking down the championship game along with uh, what where schools going where uh, when they go bowling. Can't can't wait for it. Can't wait. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I'll be up there at Ford Field on Saturday. Uh, uh, you want to meet up? You know, reach out, say hey. We love to meet up, and uh, we'll we'll try to make it happen. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, check us out on all of our socials. Uh, podcast.com over on Instagram at the CSC podcast on Facebook at the CSC podcast, all action all the time. And then of course on Twitter X at college sport pod. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. See you.